What's up, guys? Welcome to the Osmo.com NBA strategy show. Got a nice little four-game slate today, plus one-game showdown. So we're going to be talking about all of that. Sponsor of the show today is No House Advantage. We'll be telling you a little bit about what they got going on. And I'm joined today by Adam, should my money share. Adam, how you doing, man? Doing good. Uh, feels like a totally different show. You know, yesterday we had to pretty quickly get through 10 entire games. Now we can dig in a little bit deeper. So uh, should be fun talking about that. How did your night go last night? It was okay. You know, I didn't win money, I'd say. But um, <laughs> it, it was crazy because, like, Golden State, we knew they were going to be a key target with Curry out. And then Andrew Wiggins went and had probably one of his best games in his career I, I didn't even go back and check because, like, I, I think he was one of the most popular guys, too, last night. So I don't know if that made a difference unless you didn't have him. What do you, what do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, it was the best game that I can ever remember Andrew Wiggins playing. And it was it's one of those where it's like, you know, we, we talked about it. On average, he doesn't necessarily do a whole lot better when guys are out. But, like, you do still get that higher ceiling because he doesn't have to contend with Steph Curry for shots. So when he's, get, like, on a night that he's going to shoot 85% from three, he's getting up more threes. He's getting up more shots in general. So um, that is always one thing to keep in mind when guys are out, even if, you know, average production doesn't necessarily go up. The ceiling does get higher because you're just getting more opportunities. Maybe he's just nervous in front of large audiences and then and like yeah. the college basketball tournament kind of distracted people and he's like, this is my chance. Uh, did he get into any March Madness betting yesterday? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, have a couple like very low dollar brackets with uh, family, but other than that, and played DFS, uh, got cleaned out there. So I'll uh, probably yeah. be back at that today, but. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the slide before lock after this, but uh, I knew it was March Madness because my fiance was like, Help me place a bet on college basketball because she went to Purdue. Okay. So yeah, she bet Hopefully on. She didn't bet on her alma mater. She did, yeah. <laughs> and then I betted too. So I uh, I wanted to get in on the action. It didn't go so well. The other bet I made was Ohio State money line, like with uh, probably eight minutes left. I was like, there's no way they're going to lose this. Uh, of course, we all know what happens. So, uh, that's why I'm not on this college basketball show coming <laughs> up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, guys, if you can hit the thumbs up button before we start this game-by-game game breakdown, we greatly appreciate that positive feedback. Also, if you're not a member of the channel, hit that subscribe button. We got a lot of great DFS content today, NASCAR, college basketball, MMA, you name it. Um, sponsor of the show today is No House Advantage. No House Advantage is a site where you can bet player props, but you compete in DFS-style tournaments. So you're playing against uh, a, a pool of people, and you have to get the most props right. Whoever does gets the big payouts. So um, check them out at nohouseadvantage.com. We have a promo going on. Awesome uh, is the promo code. You can get a first match bonus of up to $20. And of course, uh, you can always make more money when you're betting against Joe Schmo versus betting against the big sports book. So I think it's a great place to bet some player props. <clears throat> All right, let's do this five game slate or four game slate here. Uh, first game, we got Sacramento at Philadelphia. Now, Sacramento is on the back to back. I feel like um, Luke Walton is just trolling us at this point with these minutes limits because they announced Tyrese Halliburton was on a minutes limit last night. 
and um, he played 34 minutes. So <laughs> I, I'm, it was actually kind of lucky because he didn't put up a good performance for DFS that maybe they dissuaded us from picking him. Now on the second end of the back-to-back, I'm kind of looking at this not knowing exactly what's going to happen. So what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I'm just taking these Luke Walton minutes limits with a grain of salt. I mean, we've seen Halliburton three games ago played 28 minutes, and then they said he was still on a minutes limit, and he played 32. And then they said he's still on a minutes limit, and he played 34. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he, he's not going to play more than 48 tonight. I feel confident in that. <laughs> um, he'll most likely play another 34 minutes. You know, Bagley being out does open up playing time for him. He's a little shy of a fantasy point per minute. Um, producer overall this year about 0.92 fantasy points per minute as a starter playing alongside De'Aaron Fox so you know you do get um, decent production from him you're getting a lot of playing time for his salary and with this being a smaller slate than yesterday I think it will be a lot easier to get him in the lineups just because you know yesterday you had an abundance of um, five to six k options you could go to a bunch of guys that were cheaper now obviously with only eight teams to pick from um, Halliburton's going to slide a little bit closer to the top. Definitely. The price tag of 5700 on DraftKings, 5900 on FanDuel is kind of appealing, especially if he gets 30-plus minutes. Um, now, with Bagley out, that did open up some playing time for other guys. But as far as DFS, I see Hassan Whiteside and Bielitsa. And then they, they ran out Justin James a little bit last night. None of them played significant minutes. The most was Whiteside at 16. So what do you think the best way to take advantage of Bagley being out is? I mean, I think Halliburton's the biggest beneficiary from a fantasy standpoint. Like, you're basically still seeing Rashawn Holmes, when he's not in foul trouble, get his 32 to 33 minutes. Whiteside's now backing him up instead of Bagley, but that, you know, obviously doesn't matter for DFS, um, you know, as far as Holmes is concerned. Barnes is still playing huge minutes. Fox and Heald are playing huge minutes. You just got a very tight rotation amongst the starters. Um, Corey Joseph played about 20 minutes. He led the bench in playing time. You could certainly see some games where Joseph gets more run, either at the expense of Halliburton or Heald, you know, if one of them is playing poorly um, and, you know, on a smaller slate in large field tournaments, like if you were looking to go beyond the starters in Sacramento's lineup, I think Corey Joseph would be the one who's most likely to get um, like significant minutes off the bench that we're not expecting. And Whiteside's the one that produces at the highest rate. But there's really nothing that makes you think either of those are, are, are particularly likely to happen, um, you know, as far as being viable DFS options. Yeah, that's hard to get excited about playing Corey Joseph. Even when he starts, it's like you don't feel great about it. So as the last guy in off the bench that – or sorry, into your lineup and he comes off the bench today, that's pretty tough. What about the other guys? Uh, Fox uh, obviously is a top talent these days, but he's priced like it now. 9500 on DraftKings and 9200 on FanDuel. That seems like a lot in this matchup versus Philadelphia. Uh, they don't have Embiid, so maybe not quite as strong defensively as we're used to, but how are you handling Fox? Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a really aggressive price tag, I think. And it makes sense in the context of the slate. Like, it seems like um, he maybe was priced up a little bit just because we don't have, you know, Luca and Harden and, and those guys above him. But um, you're going to get a lot of minutes out of him. He's around a 1.2 to 1.3 fantasy point per minute guy. So he projects well, but like the thing that, that gets me is that on the other side of this game, you have Ben Simmons playing without Embiid for a lower uh, against the Kings for a lower salary than De'Aaron Fox. So um, clearly Fox isn't going to project as the top um, payoff option at point guard. 
Yeah, uh, that's a good point with Simmons being a, in a potentially beneficial spot here. Now, with uh, Harrison Barnes, or as I learned yesterday, he's called the barnacle of the Bay. It's uh, The minutes have been really steady. He's averaged 35.7 for the year. But the production is always tough to, to get right on nights. Or I guess get wrong might be the better way to put it, where it seems like he doesn't usually have huge upside. But we don't have as big a slate. And I see he's only 5,900 on FanDuel, 6,400 on DraftKings. Feel like you're going to need some guys in this price range. So do you see yourself ending up with some Barnes? Yeah, Barnes is always someone that like it seems like comes in handy on slates like this because he's been relatively productive this season by his standards. Um, he's someone that in the past you were getting you know like three quarters of a fantasy point per minute. This year he's closer to you know 0.85 to 0.9, which is nice, and he's playing huge minutes. You know, like a lot of games you're getting 37, 38 minutes out of him, and he's at a price point where it just gives you a pretty high floor. Like on bigger slates, he doesn't stand out because you can typically find just you know better point per dollar plays and higher ceiling plays but on a four game slate that's tougher to do and so he'll fit in pretty nicely I think in a lot of lineups just because of how many minutes we can expect him to play definitely now uh healed is a another guy he can get hot but the price tag seems pretty high um given that he really only scores by shooting and he, his usage isn't even that high at 20 so I'm I'm not seeing a ton of fantasy value, but it's a day where it's only four games. So I don't know. Do you see yourself getting into him? I think he'll be like more difficult to get to than Barnes. Um, but he does still have the potential to play a lot of minutes. The, the issue is, like you said, he's one of these scoring dependent players that isn't the number one scoring option on his team. So it just becomes really risky in DFS. You know, the, the upside is there. He's, he's averaged over 10 three-point attempts per game this year, which, you know, he's going to have some games where he shoots much better than average. And that's going to, you know, pile on points, especially on DraftKings where you get the three-point bonus. But, you know, you can't predict what games he's going to uh, shoot a lot better than normal. And he's priced basically to need to shoot really well to, to have a good game. Definitely. And uh, Holmes, he's a, a guy that gets a uh, pretty good permanent production, although he does sometimes get into foul trouble. But Bagley being out, and now we just got Whiteside backing him up. It didn't, did seem to, uh, it does seem to make an impact in his minutes because they rarely run out Holmes and Whiteside on, in the same lineup, of course. So if you're assuming 16 minutes for Whiteside, She's played in the last couple. Uh, then we're getting about 30 minutes from Holmes. So that's pretty good. What What are you thinking about Holmes? Yeah, I mean, he's gotten pretty expensive on <laughs> DraftKings, but he also did pick up power forward eligibility the other day, which is nice. Not a huge issue, I guess, on this slate because we don't really have um, centers. that we don't, we don't have a lot of centers. But um, in general, that's nice to see. Uh, he's been productive this year for sure, and I do expect him to continue playing like 32, 33 minutes with Whiteside getting 15 or 16 behind him. Um, so if you know you get to some Holmes, especially on a weaker center slate, I think that's fine. But he doesn't really stand out at his price, I don't think. On the Philadelphia side, Seth Curry is out for this one. He joins Embiid uh, as inactive tonight. So that's definitely going to open up even more minutes uh, for these guys. It's always tough to predict who's going to benefit when one of the starters for Philadelphia is out, aside from Embiid. So with Curry out, I don't know if we've seen that in a while. How do you think that's going to affect their starting lineup? So you can read into it a little bit from their last game. Um, Curry 
the game went to overtime and Curry wasn't in. Um, Fork on Corkmoss started overtime. They went with uh, Simmons, Corkmoss, Danny Green, Harris, and Dwight Howard, which you know, obviously to start the game today, it'll be Tony Bradley most likely. But um, So I, I think you, maybe you see Fork on Corkmoss start, but I do think you'll also see more playing time for Shake Milton. Um, so, you know, with Corkmoss at 4,600 on DraftKings, that's still – kind of a tough price tag to get to because he still has to compete with Simmons for touches. He still has to compete with Harris. Um, Shake Milton at 5,200 though, I think is a little bit more appealing. He's been the better fantasy producer this year, close to a fantasy point per minute guy. And, you know, I think that there's a pretty good chance that you end up getting 26, 28 minutes out of Milton tonight. Nice. That would be exciting because we all know he's a pretty good permanent producer. It's been so tough because like uh, usually he doesn't start and it's hard to, get those games where he gets some minutes. Uh, but I am encouraged by the fact that Corkmaz is priced up on DraftKings today because I feel like I always end up with a ton of them. And then, like, you don't know the starting lineup until uh, after a lock, usually. But today, this is the first game on the slate, so we should get that information with plenty of time to adjust today. So let's say Corkmaz starts or um, Milton starts, like, how would that affect who's in your lineups? If, if Milton starts, I think his minutes projection would go up, and I'd like him even more. If Corkmoss doesn't start, I would like him even less because you really need minutes from him at that salary. Um, if Corkmoss starts, he's okay as a value. I mean, it is a great matchup against the Kings, one of the fastest teams in the league, one of the worst defenses. He can certainly get there. He's just there, there's definitely some sticker shock there. Um, if Milton's coming off the bench, though, I will still like him, just not quite as much because. You know, you you are kind of playing the guessing game at that point of how the bench rotation is going to go. You know, the the information we know basically is that Doc Rivers is very clearly not looking to use Tyrese Maxey as a, a main rotation piece unless he has to at this point. Milton's very clearly ahead of him, and Curry is taking you know thirty plus minutes out of the lineup. So most likely, you're getting Milton picking up ball handling responsibilities off the bench, um, and I think there's a good chance he would be in the closing lineup. So I would still feel good about you know, again, like 26, 28 minutes from Milton, but it does just become riskier if he's on the bench. Whereas if he's starting, Doc Rivers is basically saying like, hey, he's one of our main pieces today. Um, unless he does something stupid and gets benched, he's probably playing a lot of minutes. Yeah, it seems whoever starts gets the minutes here. Uh, <clears throat> although uh, there have been a couple of exceptions where the second half starting lineup hasn't been the same. And uh, that's a good point about Maxi. Uh, feel bad for all those top shot owners of his. Um, because it seemed like when everyone was out, he had a pretty nice run, but I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just kind of one of those, like, when you look at what where Philadelphia is at as a team, like, they're such a competitive team. They have so many they, – they're a deep team. They don't need to, like, give Maxi minutes before he's really ready, I guess. that That's kind of what Doc Rivers had said, like, that he thinks Maxi's good. It's just, like, you can only – he's like, we can't play a 10-man rotation, you know, an 11-man rotation. So um, he's kind of just left out. But I, I do think he still has potential. Those top shots might have value in – in a few years <laughs> let's hope so um so with the centers uh mb has been out for the past couple of games bradley's been getting the starts but he hasn't been getting the minutes he's averaged about 16 dwight howard had some good performances in this a time and he's been closing but they haven't combined for 48 minutes between the two of them at the center position which makes me think that mike scott is picking up some minutes at center as well so what are you expecting today out of the center? Yeah, I think you get a couple minutes from Mike Scott. Um, they l- last game you got in regulation. 
Uh, you got about 26 minutes from Dwight Howard. You got about 16 minutes from Bradley. So you're talking, you know, six minutes probably going to, to Mike Scott or someone else, um, you know, an even smaller lineup. So the, the one thing that's good is that we can expect 48 minutes from Holmes and Whiteside from the Kings. So I think you'll get close to 48 from uh, Bradley and, and Howard. I think you'll see a similar rotation where you get probably, um, you know, 16 to 20 minutes from Tony Bradley, and then you get around 26 from Dwight Howard. The pricing is kind of interesting because like Tony Bradley's cheap enough where he's a greater than one fantasy point per minute guy for the year. He certainly could give you a good point per dollar outing, even if he only plays 18 to 20 minutes here. But the upside I think is capped just because there's no indication that he's closing games. Um, so, you know, that, that makes it kind of tough. Um, Howard is priced up more, but he has been a very productive player. This is a matchup where he should have a lot of success against this Kings front court. And the center position is not that deep tonight. So I do think I'm more interested in paying 6K for Dwight Howard tonight off the bench than I would be on almost any other slate. I know, yeah. Like, I'm kind of like 6K, that seems like a lot, but I'm kind of feeling it. So I like that. Um now, Thibault, he's started a few games. Do you expect him to start this one, or um, do you think he's going to go back to the bench? My guess is he goes back to the bench. I mean, he's certainly another candidate to start with Curry out. Um, I'm, I'm, so, I'm solely basing it on what they did against the Bucks in overtime, which obviously that could have been just a matchup-specific thing. Um, but, yeah, you could get Thibault in place of Korkmaz. You know, you could get Milton in place of Korkmaz. Um, if Thibault starts, I don't really care. If he comes off the bench, I like him much, much, much less. Um, if he starts, he has been um, pretty frequently playing close to 30 minutes in his starts. It's just that he's not going to, he doesn't do anything offensively. You need him to get there on the back of defensive, st- defensive stats, which he certainly can, especially in a p- uh, pace up game against the Kings. Um, in terms of turnover percentage though, I noticed the other day, the Kings actually are not nearly as high as I expected them to be given um, just the type of team that they are. So that's something that, you know, might make it a little bit more difficult for Tybal. So Simmons and Harris uh, stand to benefit a lot with Embiid out and even more with Seth Curry out. So they've gotten a price bump. Simmons is 9,100 on DraftKings. Harris is 8,800. And then Danny Green also, when Simmons was out last week, he got big minutes. So there's a potential that with Curry out, maybe you see some more minutes. Uh, How are you feeling about these three uh, usual starters for the Sixers? Yeah, and I think Harris and Simmons are two of the better plays on the slate, even at the elevated price tags. They've just both been really, really good without Embiid this year. And and going back to last year, they benefited without Embiid too. But I think we've seen both guys take a step forward, um, whether it's due to Doc Rivers, whether it's due to something else, I don't know. But we've seen them play even better this year. Um, You you know, you get more usage for both guys. Harris's rebounding numbers go up a little bit. Um, Simmons produces at, at a higher rate in general. And then you're just getting this great matchup against the Kings where I think they both really stand out. Um, Danny Green is someone you can certainly take a flyer on in tournaments as well. His salary doesn't really stand out as a great play, but like you were saying, you know, we've seen plenty of games this year when someone's out where Green does pick up an extra like four minutes or so. And if you tell me Danny Green's going to play 34 or 35 minutes against the Kings on a four game slate, that's a piece that I have no issue on um, taking some shots at. Nice guys. Um, if you aren't already a member of Osmo.com, we have our weekly pass for all sports for twenty nine ninety five. I mean, today is a great example of how many sports we got DFS content for. We got college basketball, uh, NASCAR, Xfinity, and Camping World Series. Uh, I know it's kind of a niche thing, but I'm kind of into it. We got MMA uh, later this evening, NBA, NHL. 
I mean, you're getting a ton of different <clears throat> content for this, uh, including projections, ownership projections, and a range of outcomes information. Uh, in the NBA, that's our boom bust tool. That's really the extra edge you need to to win these days. So make sure to check that out. Or if you just play NBA DFS, our weekly package is sixteen ninety five. So make sure to hit us up at osmo.com. <clears throat> Game two, we got Golden State at Memphis. And Golden State, uh, it was uh, nice last night to see this matchup play out where Curry didn't play. And they went with Poole starting at point guard, and he ended up doing pretty well. Now, Poole, he had a G League stint where he uh, obviously wasn't with the team. But since then, he's been pretty productive. So that could be a reason why they gave him this chance to start at point guard. What are you expecting tonight with Poole? Yeah, I assume he'll be back in the starting lineup. I mean, he played out of his mind last night. Uh Looked really, really good. He's his. He got a little bit of a price bump up to fifty one hundred on DraftKings, but um, I don't. That's not particularly concerning to me. I mean, he played thirty four minutes last night. He's gonna get a ton of usage here. Like Draymond Green's not gonna shoot the ball. Kevon Looney's not a high usage guy. Kelly Oubre will get some, but. Um, you know, he's still going to be probably low to mid twenties in usage. Um, there's a lot of, of shots to go around for Jordan Poole, especially they also staggered him with Andrew Wiggins last night. So um, he's someone that's shown he can score in bunches off the bench. Now, you know, obviously he's in the starting lineup, but it's still kind of like playing on the bench because there's no Steph Curry. So um, I, I think that Poole is still a, a really strong option once again. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, you guys probably don't need us to tell you he saw it last night. So I think Poole is solid. He's 5,100 on DraftKings, 4,600 on FanDuel. What was interesting is what they did at point guard behind him, where Brad Wanamaker rejoined the rotation. Unfortunately for those of us who had Nico Mannion, who were hoping that he gets more minutes, that didn't really happen. So Tonight, I think it might be prudent to to maybe avoid both of them. But do you see any potential from Wanamaker or Mannion? I think a decent general or a decent rule of thumb with the way that Steve Kerr has run his rotations this year is just not to play guys off the bench unless you are very comfortable taking on risk. Um, we saw it earlier in the year when guys were out and um, they were just kind of not winning games in general. And Kerr said that he didn't even really have a set rotation. He was just, you know, winging it and, and playing whoever plays well now you're not quite to that extent but as far as the bench goes you still kind of see that like hot hand situation where um you know the, the the best bet is that Damian Lee gets the most minutes off the bench and that you end up with like Wanamaker and Mannion splitting minutes um if if Mannion doesn't start I don't really see any reason to go there outside of you know hoping that uh, you get lucky in tournaments like it's just th- there was nothing from yesterday's game that makes me feel comfortable in um, pretty much anything off the bench, but especially in, in Mannion. Definitely. Now with Wiseman and Pascal out, there are some minutes for bigs that have opened up. Draymond Green has been playing more center. And then Kevon Looney, it seems like he never gets the minutes, so it's hard to really see him as a great option in fantasy. Do you see any potential with Looney? Yeah, I'm curious to see where ownership ends up coming in on, on Kevon Looney because he is still really cheap. The position's not very strong. He had a really good game last night. He had, I think, 28 DraftKings points, but he still only played 20 minutes. And Kevon Looney's like not that type of fantasy producer. Um, for the season, he's played 81 minutes without Curry, and he's averaged 1.1 uh, DraftKings points per minute. But 
Obviously, that's skewed by, uh, or at least to some extent, by last night's game as well. Overall, for the season, he's averaged 0.86 DraftKings points per minute. So if you're expecting like 20 to 22 minutes from Looney, I think he's an okay point-per-dollar option. It's just a matter of you need to be able to get some higher upside guys into your lineup because Looney on his own, like you shouldn't be expecting him to approach 30 fantasy points with any sort of frequency. Agreed. Now, Wiggins uh, had the big game last night. It looks like he's really cheap tonight, 6,300 on DraftKings and 5,200 on FanDuel. So what are you thinking tonight? He's a good play again. I feel pretty similarly similarly to what I said last night. Like he's a very good play because he does get more opportunities without Curry. You obviously saw the ceiling scenario last night, what he can do. Um, the I guess the the counter argument, if you want one, is that you're going to see a lot of ownership go to him because, well, one, because, you know, without Curry, but two, because of what he did last night. We do have a long track record of him being, on average, more or less the same fantasy producer, no matter who's playing around him. So, like, there is still a decent chance, even though we saw the ceiling last night, that he just goes and gets, like, a fantasy point per minute, plays 35 minutes, he gets you, like, 35 fantasy points, which, because he's so cheap, is still really strong and why he's a really good play. But in tournaments, you know, that that's something that you can overcome with, some other players. There's going to be a lot of guys that, that score 35 points tonight. So um, that would be kind of the the anti-argument in tournaments, I guess. But he is still a, a good play. Like, he's just priced. If Steph Curry were in, he would still be a, a reasonable option at this price point. So Curry being out just kind of makes it a lot more upside than downside. Agreed. Yeah, on FanDuel, Wiggins seems like a smash on DraftKings. A pretty solid piece, especially tonight with uh, not a ton of value. Now, uh, Ubre and Draymond Green. Ubre was doubtful yesterday, but he played. So he didn't have a great fantasy performance, but he did get his normal minutes, it appeared, uh, playing uh, 29, but then he didn't close the game because it wasn't that close. Um, and then Green maybe gets some more minutes at center, but his price has been elevated on DraftKings at 7,400. On FanDuel, he's 6,600, so that looks a bit more appealing. What are you doing with Green and Ubre? So Ubre, I think, is like the most logical pivot from Andrew Wiggins. Um, I'm assuming that like Ubre is going to have more ownership tonight than last night since he won't be listed as doubtful all day and it's a smaller slate. But I still assume that Wiggins is just going to have more ownership than Ubre because of what happened last night. So that would be one like logical way you can go if you're building a lineup and you get to that price range. Ubre is in the same exact situation, obviously, as Wiggins is. Um, if you look at their numbers overall this season without Curry on the floor, Wiggins is at 1.05 DraftKings points per minute. Ubre is at 0.95. So not a, a huge difference there. Certainly a margin that can be overcome within any one game. And their playing time should be pretty close to the same um if this game's competitive so i think uber is like kind of a logical way to leverage against wiggins green is kind of tough because he still has a high ceiling because he's so good at getting assists and you know he gets enough rebounds he also benefits from weissman being out the problem is just that he's not a scorer and so you take someone like steph off the floor and draymond's not gonna go out there and just start taking shots he's still gonna dribble around and pass it to somebody else um and then curry being out does also i think to some extent, make it harder for Green to get those assists because you have more inefficient shooters on the floor. Um, so there is still a ceiling for Green, but I, I don't think he, it, I don't think he necessarily benefits the same way um, that guys like Wiggins and Ubre do from Curry being out. Definitely, um, yeah, it's hard for him to get the usage. He does get assists, but his assist rate normally is. Um, 
35%. So it's hard for him to get that much higher. And for, I mean, very, very small sample. He's played 80 minutes without Curry. His assist percentage is 24%. So like, I think you end up seeing it closer to this, to, to what it normally is, but I don't even think he really gets an assist percentage bump without Curry because he's already getting so many assists when Curry's out there. And then now you don't have Steph Curry converting Draymond's passes in the buckets. On the Memphis side, um, obviously we saw this matchup play out last night. Now their new starting lineup, they've moved um, Bain back to the bench. So Grayson Allen's been starting at shooting guard. I don't think that makes a huge impact for fantasy. So I'm looking at guys like Morant, Brooks, Kyle Anderson, and Joval as kind of the four guys we're looking out for on a nightly basis. Which way are you leaning tonight? Yeah, I mean, we, we got a uh, classic Memphis rotation last night, I guess in part because they were getting killed, but we just got one of those where, like, they played 10 deep and everyone played, like, 25 minutes kind of. So um, that's a little concerning just because we saw Memphis do that so much earlier this season when they were fully healthy. Like, the starters were playing 30 minutes and the bench guys were playing, like, 20. Um, so it, it's a little bit concerning, but still, you do get a high ceiling for Valanciunas. You get a high ceiling for Morant. Um, the center position, you know, again, not that strong tonight. So, like, whereas last night Valanciunas was tough to get to because there were so many other options. Tonight, you're getting a 1.3 fantasy point per minute guy at a position that doesn't have a whole lot. So um, he looks pretty good. He did have, he, he was really strong to start the game, um, kind of tailed off as the game went on, but still ended up with a, a pretty solid performance in only 25 minutes. Uh, if this game had been close, I think he would have gotten closer to 30. Morant has a high ceiling. Kylie Anderson, you know, we talked about yesterday. Minutes are volatile and production has come down recently, but um, he has been, you know, he is pretty cheap now. And overall this season, he has been pretty productive. Definitely, yeah. Kyle Anderson's been a little bit enigmatic with his production, but um, the price is pretty good, especially on a slate where we need some 5K guys. And Joe Val, always a good high-variance option. Now, what about the rest of the team? Grayson Allen getting the start. He's 3700 He may be one of the cheaper guys starting today. And then anyone else off the bench that you may be looking at. Yeah, I mean, Grayson Allen's kind of interesting. He got pretty substantial run yesterday he played 24 and a half minutes didn't play in the fourth quarter um in the first half he played about eight 18 minutes so I mean like I wouldn't project Grayson Allen for 36 minutes but you could certainly get 30 plus here um at a, a cheap price tag like if you if you have to choose between a $3,700 Grayson Allen or a $4,600 Forkan Korkmaz for example um I think I'd be leaning towards Grayson Allen yeah, he looks like a, a piece that maybe uh, will be in play today. All right, so guys, if you're not able to watch shows on YouTube sometimes, we have everything in podcast form sans the Live Before Locks. Go to awesomeo.com slash podcast to check out our podcast network. And if you leave a five-star review on one of the podcasts and uh, make sure to include your Twitter handle or email address, Every Friday, we give away a free week to someone who's listening to our podcast. So make sure to check out awesome.com slash podcast. Game three, we got San Antonio at Milwaukee. Now, San Antonio, um, they got DeRozan back um, the other day. Um, I'm trying to pull up the injury report. Sorry, is he out tonight? DeRozan? Yeah. Um, I haven't seen that the Spurs aren't on the injury report. Okay. Maybe I, I have like an outdated one. My bad. So, um, okay. So tonight for San Antonio, there aren't any injuries uh, apparently. So 
just LaMarcus Aldridge continuing to be on the trading block. So in that time, we've seen Jakob Pertl getting the start and playing some big minutes. The salary has gone up uh, on FanDuel. He's kind of cheap. And then Derek White has been possibly a guy who's been breaking out a little bit. He missed the, the first part of the season with turf toe. But more recently, he's been getting the minutes. And then last night, he played 35. Now, I feel like he might be a rust candidate today, given he often sits on back-to-backs. So what are you expecting them to do as far as lineup tonight? Yeah, I think there's a decent chance that White sits tonight. Um, I'm trying to pull up game logs to see, because I I can't remember what he had done recently. I know there was definitely a stretch where he wasn't playing back-to-backs, though. Um, He... He played a back-to-back, the 14th and 15th. He played 25 minutes and then 24 minutes. Both games were uh, – or one game was a blowout, one was foul trouble. So I'm not reading into the minutes there, but he did play on their last back-to-back. So um, uh, for now, I'd, I'd assume he plays. Nice. So, uh, I mean, they played last night. Keldon Johnson had the big 20-20 performance. Derek White got 35 minutes. So, and then like basically all the starters got huge minutes. DeRozan played 36, DeJounte Murray played 37, and then Pirtle was in foul trouble. So uh, what did you see last night versus the Cavs, and what are you expecting today? Got burned last night for trying to read into uh, Keldon Johnson. Like, my God, I, I dug into his numbers, and his rebounding chances and production and everything has just taken a huge hit with Jakob Pirtle on the floor. So I'm like, you know, okay, I'll be ahead of the curve. I'll stop playing Keldon Johnson uh, for a while. And then he just goes out and has a monster game. Um, obviously, to some extent, benefited from Pirtle's uh, foul trouble, but also just, you know, some regression to the mean there, most likely, too, in terms of the rebounding. Overall this year, um, 473 minutes alongside Jakob Pirtle for Johnson. And he does have an 11% rebounding percentage. So um, overall, he's still been pretty good there. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it's as good a spot for him as when LaMarcus Aldridge was playing in terms of rebounds. But I do think that the, you know, he'll end up somewhere in between uh, what he had been doing for those first six or seven games since he came back when he was producing at a ridiculously bad rate and what he's done for the season. So I still think at his salary, Johnson's um, a a pretty decent option. Like he's, he played 40 minutes last night, but typically you're going to get like 30 to 32 from him. Um, He's been close to a fantasy point per minute guy for the season. He's a good enough player where I think at that salary, you can still go there. You know, you're certainly not expecting anything close to what he did last night though. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, he had a crazy game last night. I'm kind of wondering if that will carry over into today's ownership because he is very cheap uh, at 5,400 DraftKings and 4,800 FanDuel. He does have 2020 upside. Now, I mean, it's like the last games before that, he had done so little that maybe it just evens out to him being a decent play. So yeah. he's kind of seemed like, like there, there's some guys where, like, you know, no matter what they do, it doesn't seem like it affects their ownership. He's one guy where it seems like it does, just, you know, anecdotally, but paying attention to it. Like he's, um, since he's been at this price point, he's projected as a good point per dollar play pretty much every slate. And it pretty much seemed like, oh, Kelvin Johnson's really popular. And then he had like one or two really bad games and people just started being like, who the hell is Kelton Johnson? I'm just not going to play him. And so, you know, maybe people do see last night and kind of just go back to him now. Definitely. I wouldn't be surprised. Now, the rest of the Spurs, I mean, this matchup versus Milwaukee is tough, but Milwaukee plays at a fast pace. So I'm not sure exactly how to handle it, but none of these guys seem to be priced particularly well unless we see some news about guys sitting. How are you prioritizing the Spurs today? 
Yeah, I don't really love the pricing. I mean, if you tell me all the starters except for Pirtle are going to play 36-plus minutes again, then the pricing looks fine. But that's not typically what you get out of the Spurs. So um, I'm not taking last night's game and, and just copying the minutes over to tonight. Um, you, you certainly get a high ceiling from guys like DeRozan and DeJounte Murray, uh, Derek White as well, but his salary came up. But on average, I just don't really think the pricing here looks that great. You know, it's a fast Milwaukee team, but also a solid defensive team. And um, despite it being a small slate, you do have a pretty decent mid-range of guys. So so I think that it's more like, you know, tournament looks to guys like DeRozan and Murray. Agreed. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at Wyatt too, but um, yeah. we'll see if there's any news about him. On the Milwaukee side, uh, it does look like there's some good plays on that side. So let's talk about this trade they made first where I think that – okay, so they shipped off DJ Augustine um, and uh, – I can't remember who else was in it, but now they have P.J. Tucker. And I feel like maybe that could cause some more production from other guys on the team. So uh, how are you – what do you think is going to happen now that they've uh, changed their roster a little bit? Yeah, I mean, not entirely sure. Like, I don't know exactly (laughs) what role they're looking to use P.J. Tucker in. Um, You know, are they just going to use him to, like, back up Giannis? Like, is he going to take – minutes from you know just like pat Connaughton and and from the other antetokounmpo um it's weird because like you know as much as we make fun of pj tucker from a fantasy standpoint he's a useful dfs or a useful a useful nba player not a useful dfs player um so it certainly could kind of throw a wrench into the rotation but at the same time when you think about milwaukee and from a dfs standpoint there's really like three guys that we look to on this team and none of them are getting affected by PJ Tucker. He's not taking minutes from Giannis. He's not taking minutes from Middleton. He's not taking minutes from Drew Holiday. So from a DFS standpoint, I don't think it makes a big difference. Like if you're someone that enjoys rostering Bryn Forbes or Pat Connaughton or something, you might be in a little bit of trouble, but assuming those people don't exist, um, I, I don't think it has a big impact. Like, Maybe in some matchups, Bobby Portis loses some minutes or Brooke Lopez loses some minutes. Um, it'll be interesting to see exactly how they use Tucker because it's difficult because he like he does so many things well defensively and just like from an, an NBA standpoint, he can be used at several different positions. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. But I can't really see him having a negative effect on any of the guys that we regularly play in DFS. Yeah, I think a positive effect, if anything, yeah. aside from maybe some guys getting less minutes um, since – his usage is probably the lowest of any player in the NBA right now at 8%, but it's probably not enough to move the needle a ton. Now, Giannis is a, a good option every day, but today this matchup versus Spurs is looking kind of juicy. He's 11.1K on DraftKings and 11.4K on FanDuel. So how does he rate as far as spend-up options for you? He's kind of the only one on the slate, right? Like, <laughs> Fair <laughs> um, enough, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's... It's it's kind of interesting because like we don't have a ton of really good value at least not yet, and you do have like really high upside mid range guys like Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris for example. So maybe you know like uh, optimal roster construction ends up just like not including that top tier, but normally that doesn't end up being the case. And so more often than not, what ends up happening is we'll get some injury news and it'll be really easy to get Giannis into the lineups. I don't love the matchup with San Antonio just because they have been a solid defensive team and they don't play that fast, but um, Giannis is more or less matchup proof as well. Like he does everything well when he's out there, he plays big minutes in competitive games. So, you know, any amount of Giannis may be able to get to, him, I'm certainly not going to be upset about. Definitely. Yeah. He looks like the best spend up option uh, by default, apparently. So <laughs> 
I think, uh, you know, worth going to in some lineups. It will be a, a roster construction thing where lineups with Giannis are going to look, look a lot different than lineups without him. So that always creates an interesting dynamic. Now, what about Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, as well as Brooke Lopez? Do you see anything uh, today that stands out? Uh, not, nothing that really stands out. Um, Middleton's salary is fine. Like he's he's been pretty cheap on FanDuel for a while. Um, now he's seventy five hundred on DraftKings as well, which is a, a much better salary than we've been getting in recent games. Uh, he does give you you know a, a high ceiling in tournaments. I would throw him into that same bucket with guys like Dejounte Murray and Demar Derozan on the other side of this game, where I don't think he stands out. Um, but he's also someone where like he probably won't get a ton of ownership for that reason, and he certainly has. Um, a, a favorable range of outcomes for his salary. So um, kind of the same thing with Drew Holiday as well. You're getting full playing time from Holiday now. He's not on any sort of restriction, um, but he is still the third option offensively here and doesn't produce – like he, he's averaged about 1.1 fantasy points per minute this year in his starts, um, but he doesn't have quite as many – you know, he doesn't have quite as much upside just because he has to deal with Giannis and with Middleton. Good. Now um... – Portis looks like maybe a value option, but the minutes haven't been there recently. So is he someone that he might take some shots on? He's really scary to me. Like I, I always like Portis in tournaments because when you start to get to Portis's price range, it's just difficult to find guys that produce at the same rate as him. So he's appealing to plug in the lineups and just say like, okay, cool. I hope I get lucky with minutes somehow. Um, but he's scary because we don't know how PJ Tucker is going to fit in here. Portis is certainly someone that could lose minutes to Tucker in different situations. And it's not like Portis has been playing huge minutes anyway you know even without Tucker so he's extremely risky um but again you know it's a four game slate if you are going off the board in large field tournaments to you know try and and be contrarian and get an edge it's preferable to do it with guys like Portis that if they somehow do get more minutes than you expect are likely to do a lot with them as opposed to guys where it's like oh cool they played 10 more minutes that got them two more points definitely guys if you're running some March Madness hit up our odd shopper oddshopper.osimo.com uh, I mean, we got all the college basketball lines, and I mean, they're all usually the same bets except the odds, so the juice on one side or the other. So uh, if you get the best odds, you're winning more money when you win these bets. And uh, I mean, who doesn't like winning more money? So oddshopper.osmo.com. Uh, Charlotte at the Clippers, a pretty unbalanced matchup here, but uh, we got... Some injury news here. Cody Zeller is out on the Charlotte side. So uh, does that mean that maybe we get some Bismack Biombo tonight? Or are we thinking Washington starts at center and maybe Bridges slides in the starting lineup? Or, or Graham, I guess. Um, what are you expecting them to do with the starters? My guess is they do what they did in the second half against the Lakers and Bridges starts um, alongside Washington, but you know, like like you said, there's a variety of ways this could go. You could get Biombo starting, you could get uh, Graham starting, and Hayward playing the four. Um, so yeah, there, there are several ways this can go. It is notable though that you know Zeller played zero minutes in the second half. Bismack Biombo played like three um, against the Lakers. So they they definitely in that game at least committed to just playing five out and not having a center basically. Um, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, if that's something they go with going forward against the Clippers, you know, you're they're They're going to have to deal with possibly Serge Ibaka. Definitely. Um, if it's a Zubat. So um, it seems like maybe they would go with Biombo and then um, 
not for like a ton of minutes, but just, you know, maybe like a spot, maybe like a Tony Bradley type start where Biombo plays like 18 to 20 minutes just to like soak up some minutes there. Yeah, I can see it. Um, it does seem likely that they do the Bridges lineup because, well, especially if Ibaka starts, he's not the biggest center. Yeah. So I feel like PJ Washington should be able to hang in there. Now, uh, with their guards, Graham, Rogier, Hayward, and Ball all score fantasy points in similar ways. So kind of tied to each other as far as how good of plays they are. Tonight, they got a tough matchup versus the Clippers. So they're not looking like huge priorities for me on this slate. Is any one of those four standing out to you? No, I mean, I'm with you as far as them not looking like huge priorities. I do think that Lamelo's price tag is getting a little bit better on DraftKings. He's back to 8,100. Um, Gordon Hayward at 7,100 is, I think, a reasonable option as well. Like, kind of similar to Harrison Barnes. He produces at a little bit higher rate, but plays big minutes, also a little bit more expensive. Um, could be a pretty useful piece on this slate. Like, I think that for the last couple of slates, Charlotte's been a team that I could kind of write off. Um, but I think that, like, Lamelo and Hayward both look – a little bit better or a little bit more useful on the slate than they have recently. PJ Washington though, um, he's really expensive at 6,800 on DraftKings, but he's just been like a totally different player when he plays center this year, um, both in terms of his actual efficiency, like in the NBA and in terms of his fantasy production, he's averaged like 0.4 uh, fantasy points per minute more when he's at center this year. So um, that is a spot where like, if he starts at center and it kind of signals that the, Hornets are just committing to this uh, small lineup. You know, if, if he starts at center and you and there's a good chance you're getting like 34 minutes from him, um, he's expensive, so there is risk. But I, I still think he has a ceiling at that salary. Agreed. Now I'm kind of zeroing in on Bridges as a good value tonight at 4,500 on DraftKings and 4,200 on FanDuel. If you just get the start, we don't have many cheap starters. So given that he also plays multiple positions, I feel like. He's an easy player to, as far as roster construction. Do you think you're going to have a lot of bridges tonight? Yeah, if he starts, I'll like him. Um, he played 17 minutes in the second half against the Lakers when he started. So, you know, if, if there's a chance you're getting 32 to 34 minutes from bridges um, for the season, he's averaged 0.84 DraftKings points per minute. So um, he's, you know, it's, it's reasonable fantasy production on average. Uh, I think that, and like you said, he can defend multiple positions as well. So that really comes in handy when you talk about going up against a team like the Clippers too. So um, I, I think that there's a good chance you're getting 30 plus minutes from bridges here at a very affordable salary. That would uh, make him pretty valuable tonight. Now on the Clippers, uh, we have Beverly continuing to be out. Ibaka is questionable. And he was questionable last game. Sat Zubats played a ton of minutes. I feel like he can, Zubats continues to have a price where if Ibaka is out, he's going to be a lock and load play. However, because this game is the late game, I feel like we're not going to know at lock which way it's going to go tonight. So how are you going to play it with late swap? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to want to get to Zubats if Ibaka's out. I think one thing is especially so, – so we talk a lot about how, like, you have an advantage if you play, you know, in tournaments and stuff, if you play a lot of lineups, and that's, that's obviously true. Um, but one thing that you can do, like, if you are someone that doesn't play a lot of lineups, take advantage of the fact you only have a couple of lineups to focus on and really have, like, a strategy – in your head when you make your lineup. Like I, I know I was able to have a good night the other night when Zubats uh, got the start because like I just had my one single entry lineup to worry about my cash lineup to worry about. And the news came out like two minutes before the Rockets game locked. 
um, that Zubats was starting. So I was able to move guys around, get from Sterling Brown to Zubats, and just like leapfrog a ton of teams that didn't do that. So um, that is one spot you can really take advantage of if you are someone that plays, um, you know, a couple of hand built lineups. Is you know don't like if you get news two minutes before a game, you know, don't then be trying to figure out what to do, like know exactly what you're going to do uh, with, with that one or two lineups you're playing because Zubats has been playing huge minutes um, and he's a very productive player. It's just a matter of if he needs to get those minutes. If, uh, you know, so if a is out, Zubats ends up looking like one of the best values on the slate. Definitely. Yeah. It's tricky on FanDuel because you have to have a center from the late game potentially to swap. So maybe you put in Ibaka in your lineup or Zubats is a fine play if Ibaka plays on FanDuel. On DraftKings, maybe you're leaving some, uh, some flex players. Uh, so, like, have three players in the late game, and then you can make a 3v3 swap. That's usually a lot easier to take full advantage of than 2v2. You can also, on, on DraftKings, with the pricing, um, Ibaka's 5,300, Zubats is 51. If, like, there's the potential that you're going to have a, like lineup where you just have $200 left over anyway, like you could just put in Ibaka. Like he's Ibaka is a fine play here. If he starts um, like not the best play, but it's okay. Um, so it's not, it's not the craziest thing either to just kind of be like, okay, I'm stuck with Ibaka, but if he's out, then I can just make it Zubats. Definitely. Yeah. Ibaka, he's not going to kill your lineup if he plays, but I'm not excited about him. So it is a risky move here. Guys, it looks like we aren't going to be able to get to this showdown game, so apologize if you're looking for content for that. Let's finish this Clippers lineup here. So Paul George and Kawhi, they obviously are top-notch NBA players. The The real value comes when someone sits for the Clippers, but I see Paul George, his price is at 8300 on DraftKings and 7600 in FanDuel. I feel like that doesn't really fully account for the kind of player he is so how are you handling him tonight i think the pricing discrepancy between george and leonard is interesting because like leonard is the better fantasy producer and you know he's got i guess his name carries a little bit more weight but this season they've played 28 games together and George has averaged 1.27 DraftKings points per minute. Leonard's averaged 1.32. So you're getting basically the same production, same playing time, and you're getting a $900 discount on DraftKings uh, on Paul George. So I think he still looks like a good value. Like Kawhi is a good play also, but they realistically should probably be priced a little bit closer together. Agreed. Yeah, I do think Paul George is a little bit better of a play on DraftKings for that reason. On FanDuel at 7,600, he's really standing out as a guy that you don't have to break the bank for, and he's a great player. So I think he's a shooting guard on FanDuel usually. Do you see him as a priority tonight? Yeah, I think that salary really stands out. He's He's been someone on a lot of slates recently where he's popular um, or, or he's a really good value, but like we've had so many slates. He's been on slates with like Harris Levert when he's really cheap and Emmanuel Quickly when he's starting. And so it's been a situation where it's like, oh, well, he's a – clear value but like the two best plays on the slate are at his position um that won't be the case tonight so george should get a lot more ownership nice now uh marcus morris on FanDuel is only 3700 we got that news that he's going to be the starter over batum for uh the future so in this last game he played a particularly large amount of minutes uh, in the 35 36 range I think that was a little bit of an anomaly, but he's only 3700 on FanDuel, and I'm looking at that price, I'm like, how'd they come up with that? That That's pretty egregious. So <laughs> how, how are you handling Morris on FanDuel? 
Yeah, he's clearly a good point per dollar value there. I think he's fine on DraftKings too. He's just not nearly as good as, as FanDuel. Um, Morris is kind of interesting because I think the range of outcomes is actually pretty wide. Um, he's averaged about 0.7 fantasy points per minute going back to last year in games he started with Georgia and uh, Kawhi. So the average production isn't great. But if you're out there for that many minutes, you're still um, able to just run into stats. But then also when you think about this matchup, there's so many different ways it can go. Like if the Hornets play like they did against the Lakers and they just say like, we're not playing a center and like Andy Baca's out, you could potentially get Zubats playing, you know, his playing his minutes, but then Morris getting like a bunch of run at the five and getting more minutes that way that are going to be more productive as well. Um, so there's ways where like Morris could, depending on what the Hornets do and how the Clippers counter, there's ways where Morris could end up with like a much more productive game than, than we're expecting on average. Nice. And the last guy I'm looking at is Reggie. He's been starting and playing pretty good minutes at point guard with Beverly out. So do you think he's a good value tonight? I think he's really risky. Um, he only played 19 minutes last game, but for the season, you've been getting him playing like 26 to 28 normally when he starts. And he's someone too that could potentially benefit like based on how this game goes. Like if you end up, if the Hornets play small for the entire game and you get a bunch of like Morris at the five, then you're sliding, you know, Kawhi down, you're sliding George down and potentially you're getting more run for Reggie Jackson. Whereas if the Clippers play big for the entire game, then he's going to lose some minutes to Lou Williams. He's going to lose some minutes to Terrence Mann. So um, he's another one where I think the range of outcomes is really, really wide. So not someone I'd really want to trust in cash games, but um, there's a, a, you know, it's nice to go to guys like that in tournaments where um, there's just a very volatile player that has a high ceiling. Definitely. Guys, thanks for tuning in here. Uh, make sure to check out our sponsor, No House Advantage. Uh, we got a lot of shows today coming up. We got college basketball live before lock on the channel right after us with Ben and Matt Kajeski. The NCAA tournaments for DFS always are pretty soft, so I'm going to be playing those. NASCAR strategy following that, NHL later today, as well as UFC and our NBA Live Before Lock leading you all the way up to uh, 8 p.m. tonight. So, guys, make sure to subscribe, hit that like button and the notification bell, and we'll see you next time.